Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Today I'm joined by Rory Canavan, the owner of the ITAM consultancy SAM Charter. Um, so Rory, these conversations are kind of a way to, to get to know the people behind ITAM, you know, what makes mm-hmm. them tick, what their thoughts are about ITAM, all of that kind of good stuff. So um, do you want to start by just kind of telling us a bit about Sam Charter and, and what you guys do? Yeah, so um, thanks, George. The, the reason I set up Sam Charter many moons ago was um, I saw a space in the market where a lot of organisations to make Sam go away thought that all they had to do was invest in a Sam suite. Um, and there were lots of organisations who followed that path only to find out the audits were still coming thick and fast. They were still um, getting hammered with six and seven figure liabilities. And that's basically because they hadn't d- had the realisation dawn on them that um, a SAM suite is nothing more than a barometer. It, tell- it tells you where you are. Your Your compliance reports that come out of your SAM suite do not repair the IT estate from a compliance so they, perspective. They've had to be tell you what's happening, not how to fix it. You exactly, know. exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. So, you know, you, you put a, a compliance report in front of senior management, they'll say, OK, we don't like that red and black figure at the bottom, um, but what next? And, and the what next is what we do. And that's getting the processes in place to get the data better that contributes to the ELP. Because you can't, if you try and do it the other way and reverse engineer um, a compliance report, um, you turn it into a project and you squirrel down on a given vendor as opposed to all the vendors on the IT estate. You have to be more systematic than that. So we set about putting in um, numerous processes that sit around SAM tools that that complete the um, solution picture because you can talk to all the software Sam Suite vendors in the world and they'll say, as is the greatest tool, as will do everything for you. It'll make the CIO a cup of coffee in the morning, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately it won't because it won't drive improvements back into the IT estate, unfortunately. All it does is produce a report. I suppose at the end of the day, there's a lot of processes and human behaviour that needs to be addressed along the way as well as just absolutely the politics and the culture as well which when i started i i thought the logic of common sense and good practice would just sort of leap off the page and everybody would get it um but it's amazing how many organizations have 47 reasons as to not to do something um you know and stick to the ways of work you know current practice um, well, that's fine if you want to carry on down that route and stay in the same position that you're in before we started the engagement. Be aware. Um, so. So, yeah, that was that was a bit of an eye opener as well, um, that it wasn't just a sort of a Mr. Spock engagement where you just demonstrated the, the obviousness of good practice or best practice. Um, yeah, it was, it was dealing with the humans. Always the challenge. Always the challenge. So how did you get? What, what what was your career before Sam Charter? What was your experience before? What kind of you've explained how you the reasoning for starting it? 
Yeah. Is it because you saw this on the other side, on on the inside? Yeah, yeah. So I I'd started in sound back in um, it's almost tattooed into my eyelids. November two thousand and seven, when I started working for an organisation called Fast Federation Against Software Theft, mm-hmm. um, and they had a uh, a, a two pronged approach, if you will, to dealing with the uh, the topic of um, IP protection in software asset management. Uh, one was to um, lobby government and act as um, the enforcement body for software vendors. That was the other side of the fence. I never really got to have any any dealings with them. But the side of the fence I worked on um, was working with organisations to put them through a programme of licence compliance. So I would drive around the country um, many thousands of miles um, and and help these organisations um, put some structure around understanding where they un, um, understood themselves to be with software vendors. Um, I, I did that, um, and it it was the mile, the miles were getting higher and higher, and obviously it was just driving me into an early grave. So at that point, I I felt I had to make the leap. So I had a short stint at Trustmark, and then. Um, Flexera showed an interest in me. So um, I sort of hop skipped and, and went to work for Flexera then for, I think it was about 15, 18 months. And it was after that point then that I set up Sound Charter. So. Interesting. So you, so you kind of started on, almost on the sharp end of, at fast, kind of going. So where, how did people kind of receive you going in? Presumably you, you're going in with more of an advisory role rather than a, an auditing kind of hit them around the head role that they're yeah, the, the, feeding software. The, the, fa- the fast side of life was very much on a, on a membership basis. So it was a, you, you paid for guidance and support. So I wasn't there if I, I didn't want to be there, you know, or if they didn't want me there rather, sorry. Yeah. So um, we did um, training and certification. So I had to deliver that as well. Um, you know, uh, do the odd audit here or there through the stages of the fast programme. Because you went bronze, silver, and gold through the organ through the the, the program, as it were, um, and just just trying to help organisations, and that's where the spark of, of getting the processes right really started kicking kicking in for me. Because you'd have people, um, um, excuse me, you'd have people asking questions tangential to Sam. So you started to see how. It wasn't just about compliance. It was about IT mm. operations. It was about information security. It was about service management. Um, so, so some of the sort of questions that came out the client base were quite interesting in that regard. Interesting. And did were you did you feel a destiny towards ITAM when you first landed it fast, or was that a kind of first job thing? Or I, or I tell you, I tell I tell you where the penny dropped for me, um, George, and it was. I I put myself through an information security course with IT governance. It was an ISO 27001 fundamentals course because so I just wanted to broaden my knowledge a bit. And and that's where the light bulb moment happened, because um, the chap who took the course, Steve Watkins, um, took me through uh, an ISO management system. And and that's how 27,001 has been structured from from the point of creation. So you'll have very set headings in this, like any other management system. The headings will all be the same, but the content will change 
based on these headings, depending on what topic is being covered by the, the respective ISO. So when he took me through this and this is how we do information security, that's when all the light bulb moments went off, because that's mm. what I thought. That's how we need to be managing software asset management. It wasn't quite being managed like that in the in the ISO as it was then. It was it was more a case of um, the ISO was structured very much around how do we exist to support service management rather than how do we exist to um, actually support SAM in its own right as an entity. We put SAM at the centre and service management spins off as opposed to um, service management is great and service management is wonderful and um, we, we sit here and here and here. Um, and um, and that's when that's when I saw a huge, you know, huge potential. That's what made me really want to drive into being part of the ISO world then at that point. And I made I made it my goal to be that. And here I am today. I got invited to be a member of Working Group 21, which looks after the ISO for IT asset management. And um, I'm, I'm very honoured to be part of it. Fantastic. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the ISO on your on your website. So I was going to ask about about that where you're presumably you were involved in that so and how long have you been involved in uh, on the advisory group i have to check um i think it's getting on now for um it's got to be at least seven years i think uh hang on let me click on the right button um sorry Dealing with the home maintenance cats here. Yes, seven, seven, nearly getting on for seven and a half years now. Yeah, right. What do you, what are your thoughts of the the ITAM forums working in this area, trying to get it so people can certify against it? Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. I I I joined a couple of months ago. Um, I'm I'm involved in a in a piece around Dash Seven, which concerns itself with setting up a uh, a tagging taxonomy using um, tags to help mm. identify software, hardware. Um, and I, it depends on how nerdy you want to get with all of this, because we've, we've had to sort of put, pump the brakes somewhat and say, is this after many, many years going down this certain route with how we prescribe the tags for software, for hardware, for resource utilization and entitlement? Mm. Is this the way we really want to go? Because we're not getting adoption by the software vendors or the hardware vendors at this point. So um, it's that thing of tech. Because if we if we talk about setting up a tagging taxonomy, and here are the tags, and this is how we use them, and this is how we govern them. If the tags aren't being used or adopted, should we be proceeding down that that route of of work? Um, Whereas tagging is an order winner in the on-prem space, in the cloud, it's an order qualifier space. They already have a protocol and method by which mm. to implement tags in the cloud. So I think we need to sort of borrow borrow a pint of their blood, as it were, and and weave that into whatever tagging taxonomy paper we come up with for Dash 7, because we can't realistically talk about tagging in an IT estate and not consider the cloud. And the two and the two technologies are somewhat different. So um, I'm involved with Dash Seven. As for um, um, getting organisations certified, um, yes, um, I, I've 
it depends on how much I can I can actually reveal. I'm I'm working with a certification body in the Netherlands. Okay. And I was recently asked to um, sit in as a subject matter expert on uh, a certification for an organisation in the Netherlands. Interesting. Um, so did, you, did you foresee this as um, seven years ago when you first got involved in ISO? Kind of, did you foresee this being your role at this stage and being so active in? I I I, I wish I could say I I'd given it that much foresight and uh, and. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, that's that's where I wanted to take it, and and that's where I ended up. Um, no, I'm 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 not that uh, strategic, unfortunately. Um, no, I'm happy. I'm happy to contribute in any way. Anything to do to get software asset management done properly, mm. I'm, I'm all I'm all for in terms of supporting. Um, again, back to that that thing that we mentioned at the beginning of the the interview. I hate it when organisations think that all they have to do to make Sam go away is buy a Sam suite. Um, drives me mental. Um, there's no appreciation of culture, politics, new ways of working. That has to come in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fond of often saying, you know, I own a cooker, but that doesn't make me Gordon Ramsay. Um, <laughs> but that is that sure. is eighty percent of the driver for organizations when they um, when they embark upon SAM. Right. If we take a step back and start thinking about some of the projects you're involved in, either now or you know, projects you've been involved in in the past. Um, yes. like the standard question is kind of what the biggest challenges are. Clearly getting people to actually, you know, understand that it's not just about buying a tool and turning it on and you're done. Are there any other yeah challenges that you come across quite commonly on in your projects or, or does each I, organization have a new challenge that you need to address or a couple a couple so um i think if i go back some if you're dealing with a large organization that is truly international or global in size um the appreciation that you you might be dealing with a global entity from from outside appearances but the the federation of that, the makeup of that organisation, if it is lots of little entities who are fiefdoms in their own right and do their own thing and operate in their own way, um, you, you've got to think about what a federated model for SAM looks like compared to a centralised model. That, that would be one Is that quite thing. common, that, that kind of disconnect of this idea of a large organisation being one homogenous thing when really internally it's not? Yeah, I, I think... I, I think so, because I think that we're unfortunately blighted by this notion of, of plug and play, that everything just sort of, you know, magnetically clicks together and works seamlessly. Um, excuse me. And and I think people have this idea that just because the IT seems to work that way in, the, in their home life, that all of a sudden it's going to work like that in their corporate life. And that why... Uh, why can't we just sort out this compliance issue with Microsoft? Um, if if you haven't got the, and this goes back to the the, the sort of how um, individuals work, if you haven't got the um, corporate ways of of viewing businesses in that large organisation and pulling together and working together, then you're never going to get those economies of scale to come together to give you a unified view and management approach of dealing with a major vendor across 
a global organisation because people would be too busy down in the weeds saying, no, this is my slice of the pie. I'm looking after this mm-hmm. IT state here. Um, so making sure you have a have a clear approach on how to manage that that difference between centralised, federated and hybrid is um, is vital. The the other thing I would say, too, is there are too many organisations that think they've they've made that SamSuite investment. Right. Okay. so now we need a SAM manager. Great. Good step. They get that SAM manager and they expect that SAM manager to do everything. Mm. Oh, we've got somebody with SAM in the job title. That's it. We're golden. We're sorted. Um, Myself. And Kylie recently went through, uh, uh, Kylie Fowler of um, um, ITAM Intelligence recently went through uh, a piece of work where we modelled all the processes we reasonably believe an organisation should have in place to uh, address the requirements of ISO 19770. And the way we model the processes, um, it gets us to call out the stakeholders that are involved. And the stakeholders um, sit across all aspects of the organisation. So they are in service management. They are in information security. They are in legal. They are in procurement. They are in senior management. So, you know, what are you going to do all of a sudden? Just put the word Sam in front of their job title and hope that they get it. It's it's mm. it's a bit more involved. They won't want that, for one thing. Um, but we do have to go down this path of education, of, of getting them to understand the why behind the what of what we're asking them to do if we ask them to change their ways of working. Interesting. That kind of leads to my question about how ITAM is generally perceived in the organisations. Is SAM or ITAM, is, is there much of a perception problem, an awareness problem? I think, um, I think there is a perception problem, yeah. So from, if you're not careful, SAM can always be viewed as the bad news department. Because it's chicken little, the sky's falling in. You know, we're in, we're like this with Microsoft, we're like this with Oracle, we're like this with IBM. And if your pure focus is on uh, is on compliance, you're you're not going to start getting invited to the corporate parties because you're just that. Like I said, that <laughs> bad news clapping yeah, in the person, corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, you need to start thinking about how you can take your reports and make them. Um, less invasive, more real time. So you're not necessarily so focused on the the big compliance picture that everybody thinks about when we think about software vendor audits, for example. But you think about the little bits of data that you can influence. So, um, and again, my favourite example is uh, the cost or quantity of software requests honoured by the licence pool in a in a 30 day window. If you don't have that check license pool step in your request process, you're never going to get that KPI to be able to say, we're doing a good thing here. We're burning down the, the software on the shelf. That's that's a good news story. Mm. Um, but equally, once you get to that sort of walk and run phase of, of maturity, at that point, you, you might sort of tail off. The, the performance curve might drop away from the, the value and it may make you think, well, have we got enough software left in the license pool for one thing that is of interest to the organisation? So it could kick off a restart out activity. Or if you have a set value of, say, I don't know, £3,000 a month and all of a sudden it spikes 
to to six thousand pounds a month as to what you're you're honouring in the license pool, you start to do some investigating and deep dive analysis as to why that is the case, and is it sustainable? Um, and, and and what do we need to change? Could it be that we reset the value, or uh, do we need to buy more software? Uh, or if it tails off and all of a sudden it's down to a thousand, is is everybody taking their their corporate business cards and trotting off to uh, you know third party stores that nobody knows about and buying their software there? Mm-hmm. So 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 being able to spot those pulse points on the IT estate and and manage those bits of data that can contribute overall to a compliance position, you know, in, in one year's time or in three years time. That's what SAM is. That's that's the SAM solution that an organization should be aiming for. Mm. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, this, and then taking it down to a more high level, I always like this question about how all these kind of technical jobs that people have and how people would describe them to someone who's not technical at all. So yeah. how would you describe your job? So Sam, Itam, to say a distant relative, an elderly relative or someone who, who's like, or someone you bumped into the, into the, at the pub and you don't want to bore them with Itam technical information. What, how would you describe what you do? Okay. My, my elevator pitch is, um, I, I say to somebody, imagine if you owned a company of, say, 500 staff or more, and you wanted to roll out a piece of software to their laptops and servers. What you cannot do is go to Curry's or PC World or Best Buy, if I'm speaking to people in America, buy one copy and then install it 499 more times because you breached the terms and conditions of the license. I say what we do then at that point is put in the the management framework by which you can govern the software from the point of request to disposal. And that that generally takes care of, of most questions. I think a lot of people then say, oh, so you deploy software? No, no, I don't. So I've still got to work on that story as an angle. I think. There's still these people who think, I've, you know, I'm packaging something up in a CCM and I'm, I'm rolling it out or something like that. So you're walking around yeah. with, a, with a CD. Putting it yeah. In. <laughs> 499 times <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and then what do you what do you love about your about your job about the industry i think working? i think it's some well it's something that i get and it's intuitive and i like i said that light bulb moment that i had off the back of doing the iso information security course way back when and thinking this can be applied to sam i really like that and i I really want to take the ISO in a direction where, how can I put this? We don't use, we don't call SAM suites SAM suites anymore. We call them compliance calculators. That's where I want to get the industry. That's where I want to get people to understand what it is they're buying. Mm. Your SAM suite would offer oversight of the uh, the pulse points that I mentioned previously across the IT estate. So you know your request process is working, you know your hardware disposal process is working and how that influences SAM. Um, joiners, movers, leavers, you know, pick a process. We've, we've got potentially 45 to go at in, in ITAM uh, Accelerate. So um, having that oversight and that, that 
not thinking that you have to have these things like spinning plates running 24-7, 365. You don't, but you have to recognise the cadence of change and at least keep up with it. Do you, do you ever foresee a time when the, when these suites could be considered a full SAM suite rather than a yeah. compliance calculator? Yeah. So they're, they're working towards that goal. Yeah, I've, I've got an idea in my head and I, I'm, I'm in conversation with an organisation at the moment to try and make that a reality. Brilliant. So that we... We'll keep us posted on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Don't worry. If, if it takes off, I'll be, <laughs> I'm I'll sure be you will. screaming from the rooftops um, because the, the architecture would look at working with any SAM suite that's in place. So we don't, we don't have to, you know, cosy up to FlexAir or to Snow or to ServiceNow. We can come in in, a, in an abstract fashion and overlay those product sets already in place. Nice. That sounds like a, a very pragmatic way of doing it that's more likely to succeed. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so, yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you run the risk of looking like an, just another tool. And then, you know, it's a very competitive market now. So, Well, you know. and, and equally, George, what it also does is it, it makes us attractive to those organisations because we we help become order qualifiers for the the. I, I don't know, the permanence of those tools staying with their existing client base as opposed to um, looking at us as, uh, um, you know, threats. Yeah. Now, you're very enthusiastic about this, like, about your job. Is, is there anything you don't like about about the industry? I Sometimes I use the word hate, but hate is a strong word and, you know, something that you wish would be better. Um, I, I think that, I think we just touched on it there. Uh, calling SAM suites, SAM suites, they're not, they're compliance calculators. Yeah. Um, we, as I said, they produce, they produce that sort of point in time assessment of where you are with a given, uh, with a given software vendor. It doesn't mean to say that report then cascades back into the IT estate to improve a situation. That to me isn't management. That's, mm. that's a barometer. Mm. Um, so that's that's what I hate about my, my business, and people don't get that. Mm. Okay. Um, just like, sorry, you had more to say. Um, I'm just trying to think think what else. I think I think that's about it. I think some of the great the, the challenges we're we're facing next is is taking that perspective and view in Sam and Itam of compliance and spinning it on its head slightly as to how it's managed in the cloud because we're going away from a position of compliance in the cloud largely there is one notable exception to that which i'll cover shortly and we're starting to talk about total cost of ownership and return on investment we're talking about value for money at this point and if you're in the cloud you've got to move in near real time you can't afford to run at the pace of a software contract, which runs, you know, gets heats up about once every three years and then dies down again and gets forgotten about. You're you're looking at something that can impact the bottom line on a monthly basis. So people are expecting that level of management change to to accommodate the um, slings and arrows of outrageous IT fortune. So, yeah. Interesting. Is that where the FinOps angle comes in? That Ab- absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, because if you if you think about it, when you on in the on-prem world, when you request software, you go through that whole thing of is it is it new? Is it accepted? Do we do we recognise it? Can we pick it up in a SAM suite? Uh, do we know who the vendor is? Do we know the version, edition, and control uh, uh, release of of a given software title? When it comes to FinOps, that goes out the window because that's already sorted at the point of request. So that whole thing of recognition is is not a problem in FinOps. FinOps, on the other hand, will stand up a given instance of say, I don't know, let's say SQL, pick your version, it doesn't really matter. But you know you're burning through money on a on a weekly or monthly basis because that instance of SQL is running. But it's not just the SQL, of course, it's the data that sits behind the SQL as well. That 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 repository of data is in the cloud potentially as well. That is an expense. You know, there might be a web-based front end. That is an expense. How many IP addresses are associated with the compute power behind the SQL? So your your would-be OS, that is an expense. So Coming from Sam, you need to think about does that is that an instance of SQL or is it actually an OSI seven layer reference model technology stack? You know, you're, you're looking at the, the entire stack of technology for a, for an instance of SQL, and pe- I, I think people need to have that sort of aha moment. Interesting. All right, well we're we're nearly wrapping up. Um, Last thing I'd like to talk to people about is kind of um, any mentors they've had in their career. Anyone that's kind of, whether officially or unofficially, someone that you've worked with directly or just someone that you look up to that you've kind of attempt sort to model their behaviours in, in your own in your own career. Um, let me see. Um, I, I just have to give thanks to a lot of people, really, I think, who who took a punt on me way back when that starts with Martin Thompson. Um, mm. Because I, when I was at fast, I had a, I had something burning in me to write, you know, about this, this crazy thing called Sam. And he took an article of mine. I, I threw it over to him, was expecting a sort of a, to me, to you, to me, to you, um, Chuckle Brothers experience around getting something just so and just honed and he took it and, and it was up on the website before I knew it. I was just like, wow, okay. So that that made me feel like I'm in the right business, I'm being appreciated, I get it. Somebody's read yeah. something I've I've written and they and they're happy just to publish it, which was fantastic. Um my my former boss at Flexera, Jill Powell, for for taking a punt on me as well. Yeah. Uh that was appreciated. Um, somebody who, who through thick and thin has, um, always seems to be in my orbit. And that's again, Kylie Fowler. Um, in part, she gave me my first gig to get Sam Charter off the ground. So forever grateful to her. Um, who else? I'm probably going to offend a lot of people by leaving them out actually, or not having them <laughs> in this list. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh God. List. How many people can I cram in? David Foxen, just just for um, for the purposes of morale, um, he's he's an absolute he's legend. Yeah. yeah, and also um, Denise Bardwell, who's always a, a you know good for my uh, blood pressure and and a, and a great sanity check as well. So she's uh, she's marvelous. Um, I'll leave it at that for now. And if I've offended anybody, I do apologise. <laughs> I love you all. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Fantastic.
And then lastly, obviously, um, as we do these interviews, people's paths into ITAM vary considerably. You know, mm. often they're indirect. They they were in one role and then they, an ITAM role appeared and they gave it a go. And, you know, because it's not something you, it's generally not a career you pick out when you're, you know, at a career's fair, trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. So do you have any tips for anyone who, who would want to, who's kind of seen the light and wants to get into ITAM? What would be your recommended path? Um, it, it depends on what um, stream within ITAM, because that's one thing that, that I, I don't think recruiters have a ready handle on either. So this is a, a good tip for recruiters um, who, who are getting a proper handle on it. Sam splits into three, in my humble opinion, and that's people, process and technology. Um, you can you can go down the technical route and start to support um, the, the products and services out there that provide compliance reports. Um, and that's just general, I would argue, interest in, in how technology works. And I think that path is fairly well established. You just have to hone your direction towards the Flexeras, the Snows, uh, the ServiceNows of this world and keep up with the certification that comes out from, from those August companies. Um, in regards to the people side, that's where the licensing comes in because you'll You'll get so far with a SAM suite. A SAM suite, I would argue, will take you that 80% of the way on a journey arriving at a compliance report. But you're always going to have somebody who will tweak and hone the result. And they're the people who specialize in Microsoft, Oracle, IBM, etc., and the licensing models. Um, and a great way into to starting to understand um, the licensing models there is to understand how they're sold in the first place. So have a chat with the reseller. See if there's any jobs or, or around sort of, you know, specializing in sales of IBM software or Microsoft software or Oracle software, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's the uh, the process side of life. I would argue if you can get your handle on um, around um, business and systems analysis generally as a, as a starting point and then again start to apply it to the discipline of managing software. Um, you're, you're going to um, set yourself up really well there, I think, to uh, to take forward a career in that. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you, Rory. That's um, that's covered everything on my question. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to to cover at the end here. Um, any more tips or advice for for people? But if not, we can we can wrap it up here. Yeah, um, it's 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 that thing of. Um, Charles Dickens said it's it's not the creatures that were the strongest or the fastest that survived, but those that were most adaptable to change. And I think just be careful of saying, you know, one product, you know, one tool really well, or, you know, one licensing model really well, or you're really comfortable with, you know, a set number of processes, whatever it may be. Be aware that organisations will come at you from many different angles with many different problems. So being adaptable means that um, you, the, the job stays interesting for you then rather than you're just turning down situations because I don't deal with this or I don't deal with that. <laughs>